want to thank you for being with us this morning. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace, for the blessing that we have of being in a, a nation where we may gather together and publicly worship you. And we give thanks and praise this morning to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for uh, for he died for us that we might know the forgiveness of our sins and the righteousness uh, that he possessed and freely gave that we might have eternal life. Uh, for the wages of our sin was death, but the gift of our Lord Jesus was that eternal life. <clears throat> and we thank you, Lord, for the grace that we have known as your people. We pray for our country, Lord, as we uh, acknowledge and celebrate our independence uh, and this time the declaration of independence and the freedoms that have been given <clears throat> and paid such a high price for. Uh, we are thankful uh, that we have uh, been given a nation and given freedom in Christ Jesus <clears throat> from our sins. And we pray, Lord, knowing that righteousness exalts a nation, we pray that you would uh, have mercy upon our country, that our uh, people would be brought to, brought to repentance <clears throat> and a return to uh, the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins and the reign of, of the righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ and through his people. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts to understand the things that are needful for us this morning. We thank you that for the forgiveness of our sins as we confess our sins. You are faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we do pray and ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that that Spirit might teach us the things that the natural man cannot understand from your word and that your Spirit would enable us and quicken us to lay hold of your wisdom and, Lord, the truth from your word and the light of that truth, that it might be a guiding uh, light for us, that we as your people might prove your good and acceptable and perfect will. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Again, thank you for being here. We're, uh, we've been studying the last uh, few weeks the uh, incomparable glory that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Uh, there is an incomparable glory for those that he's justified. We sang about it so much this morning, and we're so uh, blessed and thankful for the mercies that have been found in Christ. He was wounded for us, for our transgressions. He took upon himself uh, that uh, payment for our sins, and uh, this morning, I want to uh, address again this path to glory that has been set before us in the calling and purpose of God for God's people. It's a glorious thing and something that we should have on our minds regularly and uh, just day by day that that focus upon God's calling and purpose for us and his call to this glory in the Lord Jesus Christ because your purpose is to glorify the person of Jesus, to glorify his name. And we want to take that name with honor 
and with integrity and walk this path of glory, which is often through suffering, many kinds of suffering and affliction. And uh, certainly we know and understand these things. But this incomparable glory is for those that God justified. And we remember our passage there. But the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I want you to let the gravity of that sink in this morning. That you have been made through Christ Jesus, a joint heir with him. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This glory that has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus, this heirship, uh, imagine this. And think this, that God who created and owns everything has made you an heir in Christ Jesus. That, uh, but we're called if indeed we suffer with him. So we want to consider uh, this pathway to glory. But this morning, I want to address this, uh, not so much the path to glory, but the promise of this glory as we look at it, it begins with the resurrection of our bodies, with the rapture of the church. Okay, so uh, when does the glory begin? It begins with this redemption of the body. If you look at verse 23 of chapter 8, <clears throat> we find that it says, And not only this, also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. At the rapture of the church, when, when Jesus Christ comes back with those whose bodies have returned to dust, but the, the immaterial part of that person to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They return with him, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and the dead in Christ, their physical bodies are raised up. And then we who are alive and remain are caught up together with them forever to be with the Lord. Forever to be with the Lord. It's glorious, the rapture of the church and the plan that God has for you. It's glorious. It is life everlasting. It is the resurrection of your physical body. That which may return to dust or if we're still living may be caught up and transformed into uh, the, uh, the, the glory of a, a new eternal life, a body that's no longer a body of sin and death, but a glorious resurrected body that is uh, separated from the death that was proclaimed upon Adam and all of his race. So the path climaxes with our resurrection. It begins there. It's the beginning of of the glories that God has planned for his people. And we have considered these verses, 2 Thessalonians 1, 10 through 12. Uh, 11 and 12 we, we submitted to this month uh, to memory, uh, and it's been going out each week. I hope that you lay hold of this wonderful truth. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, that's the rapture of the church, right? 
and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified in you. I don't think there's anything that we could pray for one another that would be more significant than praying that the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified in you. Because it's this path to glory, and it is a glory that, notice what the next phrase says, and you in him. God is glorifying you in Jesus Christ. God is, is, is seeing in your calling the glory of Jesus as you prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, as you order your steps in accordance with his word, as you in obedience follow after the truth that God has given to us through his word. And according to the grace of our God, God's grace does it. We don't do it in ourselves. We don't do it through, through perseverance of our energy or strength of our flesh, but through the power of God's spirit. Notice that it said that you are to count yourselves worthy of recalling that he may fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. That work of faith is the power of God working through the people of God to the glory of God, the name of Jesus Christ, to the, his grace, his grace, to his glory through you, and he honors you for it. He gives glory to you. Through Jesus Christ. And we're called. This is our path. And as you embrace righteousness, it's going to cost you. Because this world is in rebellion against its God and creator. And it's not going to be okay. It's not going to be okay when we change presidents. It's not going to be okay when we change forms of government. It's not going to be okay until the redemption of mankind and the redemption of God's creation from the sin that fell upon the human race through Adam, upon this creation, and, and that, that rebellion, that, that angelic rebellion that has carried on. Because God's kingdom is going to come. God's will is going to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And God is working through the grace of Jesus Christ in you by faith those things, and it's a conflict. It's a battle that we, as God's people, are enjoined in, that we've been called to. And your calling involves that conflict. It involves this spiritual warfare and this spiritual battle. So another passage that we looked at <clears throat> for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. So this is the, the fruition, the uh, accomplishment of the great work that Christ has done for you. He was wounded for your transgressions. And Jesus Christ said, he that believes in me, I uh, will have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day. The glory of the resurrection, the path that climaxes and comes to fruition with our resurrection 
And that path to glory uh, leads ultimately to this. And the scripture tells us that in a moment, in the, the, uh, the twinkling of an eye, that the last trumpet will sound, or the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. That's your body. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. Raised imperishable and will not be changed uh, and we will be changed for this perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal will put on immortality. Eternal life, folks, it's glorious. It's more than what we can think here this morning. And yet we should think on it. We should set our eyes upon those things which are above in Christ Jesus, upon the truth that God has given to us in his word and embrace the glory of it and embrace the path to that glory. Should we not as God's people? So, yes, we should. Christ's judgment is given for our work. So we, uh, we consider the, the, the rapture of Christ. The next event that we know that happens with us as believers is that Christ's judgment of our works is, is, uh, is something that takes place. There's a number of judgments in the Bible. The scripture, one of those judgments is called the Bema Seat of Christ or the Judgment Seat of Christ. <clears throat> and this will be the second event, the second thing that we know from scripture will happen uh, with us as believers in glory. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the Judgment Seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or whether bad. Okay? So the proof of our faith results in the praise and glory and honor uh, that comes and that will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. So this is sobering, is it not? Uh, but it's also uh, should be encouraging and, uh, and, and just uh, should spur us on as God's people in this path to glory. So a point to be made here is that the judgment is of works. It's not of our sins, okay? So <clears throat> when it says those works that are either good or bad... It's not that at the judgment seat of Christ that God is going to re-pull uh, up the sins that you have committed. This is about works, whether your works are good or whether they're bad. And we looked at that last week, the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And those, some of those works are wood, hay, and stubble. They're bad, right? They're not lasting. They're not eternal by nature. But some of them are gold, silver, and precious stones. Those are lasting. Those are good works. So we've got good works and bad works. And the scripture tells us <coughs> that they're tested with fire. And that, that fire, that fire proves the, the quality of those works. It's not your sins. Not, God is not going to, to pull up those sins. Remember, he remembers them no more. He has not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Why? Because Christ paid in full those sins. So you're not judged again for your sins as a believer. 
you're a part of what the scripture calls in, in uh, the gospel in John chapter 5, the resurrection to life. There's also a resurrection to damnation. <clears throat> and there's, there's two resurrections. And if you're a part of that first resurrection, the scripture says that, that there is, Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse 1 says, there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It also says that the second death has no power over those that are raised up in the first uh, resurrection. Isn't that glorious? God doesn't count your sins to you, and he doesn't rejudge those. But he does judge your works, and there will be tears and loss of opportunity for us as God's people because our works are often done in the power or the energy of the flesh. We don't want for those works to be done in the power or the energy of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 and 13 says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire <clears throat> itself will test the quality of each man's work. I believe that there's a testing of, of our faith uh, in the trials that we suffer here. You know, it says if we suffer with him, if we suffer for righteousness, there's a quality of that faith that you have in Christ that is displayed in your life. And faith and trust in, in God doing what we don't understand. Faith is, is, is trusting in his wisdom. It's trusting in his, his plan. It's trusting in that, that will of God and that call of God that he's given to each one of us. And there will be challenges there as to is God merciful? Is he good? And the quality of our, our works will be displayed uh, in regard to our faith. So there's a, a direct connection with the faith of the believer in trusting and believing in God, just as Jesus demonstrated to us going to the cross of Calvary. Father, remove <clears throat> this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. He taught us that we're to entrust ourselves by faith into what God's doing in our lives. Because Romans 8.28, our passage here and where we've been looking, is that all of these things are working together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. So taking our trials, taking the suffering that God brings into our life and trusting that God is working, he's doing something that we do not understand. <clears throat> but faith and the quality of your faith is is engaged in that embracing what God calls us to. Embracing it with his promises and with the truth in mind of what he said, that he's somehow working something that seems impossible to good. That's what Jesus did going to the cross of Calvary. He trusted in the greater glory of God, the most wicked and horrible thing that ever happened on planet Earth. God turned it into the greatest victory and the greatest goodness that possibly could happen for us. God <clears throat> is great. He knows exactly what he is doing. And you may trust him regardless of your circumstances. 
Trust in the Lord your God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. There's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But with faith and laying hold of the promises of God, <clears throat> we may know that God knows exactly what he's doing and will glorify himself in every situation, every circumstance that he calls us to. And so we can pray for one another that <clears throat> we may be glorified with him and, <clears throat> and that we may, we may be worthy of that calling that we may fulfill every desire for goodness or that he may fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power that's not within yourself, but it's the power of God's spirit as we looked and learned in Romans chapter 8, the power of God's spirit to do these things within us. And that quality of faith is a trophy of the grace of God in the life of you, in the life of God's people. There's nothing more important than this. There's nothing more valuable than this truth and this principle. And so we find that there's a judgment based uh, upon the fulfillment of God's calling. Uh, this judgment is based upon the fulfillment of his will. Remember that Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. I do always the things that please him. The will of God is given to us through the word of God and through submission and obedience to, to the truth of God's word and to the light that he's given to us by his spirit. The scripture says, and to this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of that calling, of your calling, and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. He'll call each one of you. Your path will be different. His calling for you, the display of his grace and the display of that, of that work that is, is being tested with fire will be um, it will it will be tested. It will be it will be challenged for for each one of us. There's there's a road that God has planned from eternity past. The Scripture says that you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which He before ordained for us to walk in them. That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. That's the calling of God. That's the glory that God has set before us. And the Apostle Paul says, through many hardships, the Apostle Paul said, I press on for the mark of the high calling that God has given to me in Christ Jesus. I lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of. In other words, the calling that God has given to me, the path that he set before me. I want to know his power and that, that, uh, that we may know uh, that uh, work of faith with the power of God in us to endure and to press on in light of the glory that he has called us to and set before us. For you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're called to his glory. So... May your path be strong and certain in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a judgment based upon our spiritual gifts. For each one of you, God has gifted you in a, in, with a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit has given to it to you. 
And the faithfulness to that gift that God has given to you, to his calling, is hugely significant to you. You want to, by faith, exercise the gift that God has given to you. And there, there are a number of gifts, you know, the gift of, of service, the gift of, of, uh, of, of teaching. Some of you are such amazing teachers. Some of you are, are so, uh, it's glorious to see uh, the, the spirit of Jesus Christ for those of you that have the work of, of service. And, and there's, uh, you know, studying and laying hold of, of how God has spiritually gifted you uh, is hugely significant to the fulfillment. And the scripture says in Romans 12, 6, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly if prophecy according to the portion of his faith. So there's a portion of faith that's been given to you and this work that's going to be tested at the judgment seat of Christ as to whether it is a good work or a, or a bad work will be based upon the, 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 the faithfulness and fulfillment of the spiritual gift that God has given to you. And there's many gifts there, many things that you may lay hold of in that portion of faith to the glory of God. And to do this is significant for you. And so Paul says that, that the uh, that 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 the father that that work um, that he would count you worthy uh, and fulfill every desire for goodness that that desire that the spirit of God puts in your heart to to love the Lord Jesus Christ to serve Him will empower you and enable you in the fulfillment of that which God called you to that that which He ordained. And we go back to our Romans chapter 8 passage that, that whom he foreknew, he predestined. And whom he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. To display this, the person of Jesus Christ by the spirit of the God working within us is a powerful thing. It's a thing that God is pleased uh, with and God will reward at the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to reward you for it. Uh, and it's glorious just to, to do it. Just to do it should be enough for us. But he's going to reward us for it. And how glorious and wonderful it is that God uh, would do such a thing. And then there's a judgment that proves the quality of our faith. And that quality of our faith, we've spoken of it before here, but in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Notice there's various trials, just as there are various gifts, there's various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're back to the rapture, right? At the rapture, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, at that judgment seat, the praise and the honor and the glory of the, the victory of faith in your life, the proof of that faith will be uh, rewarded. It will be glorious what God has done and what God will do in your life. And God is faithful to do these things in your life. 
And you say, well, you don't know. Uh, and you feel the burden. You say, oh, I can't do that. Right. That's exactly right. You can't do it. It's the, the power of God. That's why he prays that it's the work of faith with power, with God's power. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I labor striving according to his power. God is doing these things in the lives of his people, and he's faithful to do it. And it's just think of the glory of displaying the power of God when you say, I can't do this. This is greater than I am. It's more than what I can handle. And yes, it is. That's why by prayer and by the work of the God's Holy Spirit, that, that desire for goodness, God grants in his grace and his mercy. Uh, when we cry, Abba, Father, do you think he turns you away? He doesn't turn us away, does he? He doesn't turn you away. His mercies are, are everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. He's not dealt with us after our sins or rewarded us according to our iniquities, but according to his mercy, he's, he's saved us. If thou, O oh Lord, should mark iniquity, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. We fear God and we know his goodness and, and we find that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he separated our transgressions from us. As, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy over those who fear him. He has supplied richly what is necessary and needful for us. As for man, his days are as grass, and like the, the flower of the field, so it flourishes, and the wind passes over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercies of the Lord are from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting. It is everlasting life. And the glory of the faith that has been given to us in Jesus Christ is either in a, a daily experience of that glory of the eternal life or an expression of the energies of our flesh, which is death. Uh, the, the flesh is death. And, and as the Apostle Paul, as he spoke in, in Romans chapter 7, um, I find this principle in me that when I would do that which is good, that which is evil is present in me. That's our flesh. It's always that way. It never changes. It's not going to get better tomorrow. You're not going to, going to behaviorally modify yourself and make yourself acceptable for God. But God through Christ Jesus has empowered and has given power so that when Paul labored striving according to his power, mightily working within him, there was salvation, there was deliverance, there was victory in Christ Jesus. There's victory for you and for me. There's glory beyond what we're able to do. Because Christ and because his Holy Spirit is there working within us. And we don't know what God's will is, but the Spirit of God interprets the will of the Father and he intercedes for us and he will empower us. That's why we need prayer. That's why we go to God and we say, God, I need your Spirit to, to guide me in accordance with the principles and the truth of your word, that the light of that truth may guide me through this time. And it's not going to feel, it's not going to be pleasing or doing things by man's energy or man's strength. It will be by the power of God and the direction of God, which may not make any sense to you. Because we don't know what the will of God is. 
but the power of God's Spirit and the goodness. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, uh, but, the, but that Spirit which works within God's people. And it, and it relays the, the spoken word of truth that we may order our steps in accordance with his word, that we may hide his word in our heart, that we may not sin against God, but that our works may be to the praise and honor and glory of Jesus Christ. So that judgment proves the quality of our works um, and the quality of our faith. Uh, and so a judgment is the judgment seat determines the loss or gain of rewards and also of authority. Okay, so I want to pick this idea up of the the uh, the reward of authority. Uh, for you are a trophy of God's grace, and uh, <clears throat> this incomparable glory includes a reign with Christ in his kingdom. So if we're progressing through what the scripture teaches us will unfold, we believe that, <clears throat> that we will not suffer because of the rapture of the church, the, um, we will not suffer the the wrath of God that comes on the nations. The wrath of God that comes on the nations comes during the tribulation period. And that seven-year tribulation period is a time when, when God will, will bring about uh, the, the wrath and the judgment of the nations. But according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and, and verse 10, it says, that we wait for the Son, our Lord Jesus, from heaven when he raised him from the dead. That is Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, what is the wrath to come? Well, the wrath to come is that which falls uh, in, in the tribulation period when the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 20, I forget, uh, 24, uh, that... <clears throat> That he will judge the nations, not 24, but it's, yeah. Um, he will, will judge uh, the nations and, and that we will be brought, brought before him in the tribulation period. Those things occur. And uh, whereas that we do have this path uh, of suffering that leads to glory, we do not have the path which leads to the judgment of God and the wrath of God that falls upon the nations or the wrath of God that falls upon those that go to the white throne judgment and are part of the second resurrection. <clears throat> so we find <clears throat> that this reign with Christ is a, a part of the first resurrection. Okay, It's a, a part of the millennial kingdom. So the church is raptured. There's seven years of tribulation that falls upon the earth as God judges the nations. The purpose of it is it's called a time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, Daniel 70 week uh, teaches us uh, that the 70th week has been separated by the church age, that those seven year, that seven year period of time, that there will be a judgment that falls upon the nations which will usher in at the completion of that judgment the millennial kingdom. And Christ's bride, the church, will return with Jesus Christ at the second coming. So we go up, we receive a resurrected body, 
We go through the judgment seat of Christ and we return with Jesus Christ for his rule upon earth. Now, remember that from chapter 8, we said that there's that inheritance that God gives to us and that we're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Well, that co-heirship includes the kingdom that has been given to Christ Jesus. Okay, so... Um, a part in the first resurrection is, is given to us as believers. Revelation 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for 1,000 years. 1,000 years is the millennial kingdom of Christ. And it is a time in human history where Christ's rule and reign over the entire earth will take place when he returns to Israel. He returns to Jerusalem and he establishes his kingdom there on earth for a thousand years. He told his disciples that you will reign over the 12 tribes of Israel with me at the regeneration. So the millennial kingdom then is a time of co-rule, co-heirship with Jesus Christ where you as the bride of Christ will return with him. This may be soon, folks. It may not be that far away. It may not be far off, but God's word is true. And, and this, this reality that you have been given a, a co-heirship with Jesus Christ and a, a reign and a rule with him for 1,000 years on planet Earth is a, a tremendous gift a tremendous thing that God has done. And so, uh, secondly, we find that there is given to us a, this authority over the nations. And that's what we uh, addressed earlier at the judgment seat, that, that rewards are given out and certain authority over the nations are given out. And our rewards will include uh, rank in that authority. Uh, that's why the disciples were saying, uh, let or, or the, the mother was saying, let my sons sit on your right and left hand side in the kingdom. Well, what was she asking for? She was asking for a blessing in the authority of that rule of Christ during the millennial kingdom. That's what she, she was, her request was. Jesus said, what is your request? And she said, that my sons may sit at your right and left hand side. Jesus said, that's not for me to give, but the, it's the Father that <clears throat> in his calling and in his, uh, uh, he, in his predestined will laid out a calling for each one of those disciples and two of them were going to be seated, one on his right and one on his left hand side in the rule of the kingdom. That's the inheritance that we're speaking of. <clears throat> so he who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds unto the end, to him will I give authority over the nations. Okay, let's look at the third point here. He supplies a throne to rule. Um, and Revelation 3.21 says that he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. <clears throat> so Jesus is saying, I'm sharing, you're a co-heir with me in the kingdom, in the regeneration. Uh, and, and some hold that um, 
that he who overcomes, that not all will be overcomers that are believers, that, but that overcomers will be those that are granted rule in the kingdom and grant, granted rank. And, and bear this in mind, it's not the, the quantity of works you do, it's the quality of the work that you do uh, that determines uh, the, the reward of that gift, the reward of that authority. Uh, and so it's, it's not certain gifts, um, but it is, it is the quality of the fulfillment of that, re that, uh, and of that reward, the reward of that fulfillment that God has given to you in his calling. Uh, so be faithful. Be faithful to the Lord God and know the significance and the gravity of your faithfulness and obedience to his word and, and the fulfillment by faith, by God's power of those things which he has called you to and set before you. I will grant to him to sit down upon my throne. That's a glorious promise. And we ought to be mindful of it as we make our days, uh, as we make our journey through the days that God has set before us. And so then <clears throat> there's a throne to rule. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down on my throne as I also overcame. And then there's judging of the world. The scripture says and tells us, Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? You're going to judge the world in Christ Jesus. And that's some of the authority and, and the power uh, that he's giving to us. If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law of, of law courts? He's speaking to the church here, the church that's always reticent and, and afraid to exercise church discipline for sin and, and issues. And, and we're to... Uh, to act as, as responsible uh, to the principles and truth of God's word, but the church has become milquetoast in the, in the fulfillment of, of responsibilities that we have before God. And so uh, we need to, to step up and, and be, uh, be God's people before the Lord. Um, and then it goes on that <clears throat> there's the judging of angels. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? I don't know about you, but I don't feel competent to judge angels. Uh, they're smarter than I am. They're more, you know, powerful. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I've got all my issues. I don't, I don't, don't know that I can judge angels. But, but God will assure, assuredly uh, call those and gift those and empower those uh, for these responsibilities in his kingdom. And uh, so, okay, well, let's look at a couple of things here. Uh, here's uh, something that I hope will be helpful to you. Uh, but here we have uh, the three uh, major things that are, 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 uh, will take place prophetically. First, there's the church age for over 2,000 years, 2,000 years plus, uh, the church has been in existence. The church, one thing that you want to understand in understanding prophecy is that church and, and Israel are distinct. And we're going to go into that in this next chapter. Uh, the distinction that God has for, for Israel, the distinction that he has for the church. <coughs> but for 2,000 years, 
there's been a separation between Daniel's 69th week and the 70th week, which is a seven-year period of time called the tribulation. These things are prophesied in Scripture to unfold and to take place. And after the tribulation period and the judgment of the nations is the thousand-year reign. So just remembering these three significant events that are going to happen prophetically in human history uh, is uh, needful for us as God's people. 2,000 years, and this church age is, is noted by a time of apostasy. Can you all read that? Is that too small? A time of apostasy. There's the rapture of the church, and then there's the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. That's, that's the church age. And at the end of this period of time at the church age is the rapture of the church, we're taken up. There's the, the judgment seat of Christ during this seven-year period of time that takes place. We hold to a pre-trib rapture of the church uh, that we're delivered from the wrath to come. <clears throat> In the tribulation, there will be worldwide rebellion. The, the nas national borders come down, and there will be an, an international government that is ruled over by an antichrist. And during this seven-year period of time, the world's, the rebellion that's taking place that we see so much of it today will, will come to a, a head and Satan himself will indwell a person. That's what scripture teaches. This antichrist will come to power and come to rule. It may be soon. It may not be that far off that we're looking at some of these events. It may be we don't know. But the rapture of the church is imminent. It can happen at any time. There's nothing, there's no sign, there's nothing that, that gives any kind of indication to tell us that the rapture is going to take place now or, or next week or, or at any time. Uh, it can happen uh, imminently at any moment. But the seven-year period, once that begins, there at, the, at the midpoint, the Antichrist rises up and takes the throne and there on the throne, <coughs> he takes power <coughs> over the entire world. And the judgment of the nations will unfold at that point in time. Christ will return. The nation of Israel will cry out in repentance to their Messiah. And Christ will, will return with his bride, with the church. So at this point right here, after the seven-year tribulation period, the church will return with their with their, their bridegroom, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will establish his reign for a thousand years. Now, during the millennial kingdom, there's a final rebellion that takes place at the end of that thousand years. You can read about it in Revelation. That final rebellion, <coughs> there is fire that comes down from heaven because Christ, <coughs> excuse me, so sorry, <coughs> Christ speaks and destroys Satan. Satan, after the tribulation, is cast into a place called the abyss. And in the abyss, he is uh, contained in chain for a thousand years so that he, the scripture says, that he can no longer deceive the nations. At the end of this thousand-year period of time, he's released and he gathers mankind. He gathers some of the nations again in rebellion against Christ. And Christ simply uh, destroys him. He's cast into the lake of fire 
and in the white throne judgment cast all of the unbelieving people in the fire. And those unbelieving people are maybe some of your friends and some of your family. Uh, and the, the significance and the need for the gospel is, is uh, weighs heavy. It should weigh heavy upon us as God's people for all those that may come, that they may know the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at the next slide. <clears throat> okay, here again is the church age. There are, if you see here, believing and unbelieving Jews and Gentiles during this church age. It's called the age of the Gentiles. It's, it's the age of the Gentiles is laid out in Daniel uh, and in the Old Testament. Uh, and at the end of the age of the Gentiles, uh, there's the judgment of the nations. Uh, the word for Gentiles is also uh, a word used for nations. Uh, there's the rapture of the church, and all of these are believing Jews and Gentiles. The remnant of Jews and Gentiles are part of the body of Christ. Going into the tribulation, there's nothing but unbelieving Jews and unbelieving Gentiles. It starts there, but we know there's 144,000 uh, Jewish people that are raised up that share the gospel. There's the greatest uh, revival that ever takes place in, on, on earth during this seven-year period of time. There are many people that come to Christ <clears throat> in the tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, there's the return of Jesus Christ with his saints and the establishment of the kingdom. And I, I really have considered maybe taking a, a night during the week to Zoom uh, and, and go through some of these charts uh, and things because it's been a while since we did First and Second Thessalonians and did any study on prophecy uh, but if you're interested in that, I would be sending out a, um, a, uh, uh, a Zoom invitation, and, uh, and we can go through some of these, these things in regard to the prophetic events that unfold and take place. So, <clears throat> okay. Um, which leaves me no time for the eternal state. <laughs> The eternal state is, is if we can go back to that previous slide there, Lori, is this period of time after the thousand-year reign. And uh, that eternal state, uh, there's, there's some really amazing things that in Revelation chapter 21 and 22 are, are taught to us there. Uh, and it's just a, a brief glimpse that we get. Uh, but it's a glorious glimpse, and it's, it's worth our, our study. Um, I do want to go, if, if, uh, if you can uh, thumb through to the end, I want to give a, a couple of these books at the end. And I, I'll give them next time, but yeah, one more. Okay, Jerusalem in Prophecy, uh, Dr. Price's book on, uh, on the eternal state, the New Jerusalem. Uh, is really, really good, and uh, it was very, very helpful. You can also uh, study about this from Arnold Fruchtenbaum's Footsteps the Messiah, uh, and so I recommend that. I also recommend Erwin uh, Lutzer's book on your eternal reward. It's about the rewards. It talks about the, the, uh, the crowns uh, that are given <clears throat> and the rewards that are given and the authority that's given. Uh, and it's, it's really worth um, uh, your, your time to, uh, to, to do a, a study 
and this book would be helpful to you. There's other books on rewards that are good, um, but uh, Erwin Lipzer's I would recommend for you. Uh, so, well, uh, let me pray. Father in heaven, we uh, thank you for your wonderful grace. And we pray that you might count us as your people uh, worthy of that calling that you've given to us and that you would fulfill uh, that desire that your spirit gives uh, to our hearts and lives for goodness and that the work of faith might be experienced with power and that we might labor striving according to that power which mightily, mightily works within us as your people. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in us. Lord, may we embrace the glory of the calling that you've given to us. With all the challenges, Lord, may we find our strength in you and in the spirit that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. And that we may be glorified in Jesus according to your grace and according to your power that works within us. Fill us up with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and see that we walk in a manner worthy of you. May we please you in, in every respect and fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may bear fruit in every good work and increase in knowledge of you. Lord, we acknowledge that, that it's our personal relationship with you, that it's our intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for he is the vine and we're the branches. It's his spirit that must flow and work through us Strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might and grant to us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened uh, and to strengthen us with, with might uh, through your spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and root us and ground us in love for you and for one another. Help us to labor striving according to that power and may your mighty power work within us those things which are needful. Lord, we long to reign with Christ during the millennial kingdom and we long to see the new Jerusalem as well. And we long to see the, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, not to be dull in our spiritual senses, but to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Fill us up with all the fullness that is in Christ Jesus, for in him we are complete and you are our God.